Salutations, peace, and blessings. You're listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I am your host, the Commish, and by now you probably already know the end result of the NBA Finals. The Denver Nuggets win Game 5 and thus win the series against the Miami Heat in dramatic fashion. I, I, I don't know where to begin with this. I really don't. I, I, I'm proud of what I saw from both teams, but I'm more ticked off and have a bone to pick with the NBA, and I'll talk more about that later in the episode. But for the moment, I want to give all the glory for the Denver Nuggets in doing something they've never done before in their franchise's history. They win their first championship of what could be many to come. Let me tell you, the commission's going to tell you. For what we saw in the last five games of this NBA Finals, it leaves the impression of just how great, how grand, how extraordinary the Denver Nuggets is. And the commission told you before, I told you this years ago, that this Denver Nuggets team is dangerous. Not Russell Wilson dangerous, but dangerous. Because for what I saw this series. What I saw in the finals was the premonition of what was to come three years ago when we saw Jamal Murray playing hard-nosed, hardcore basketball before he got hurt in the bubble. I had made the prediction then what type of team that we are going to see, who we're going to be facing against when we saw this team go out there and play in the 2023 NBA Finals. They did not disappoint. They held strong to what the goal was, what the objective was, what the mission was. And it wasn't just to win the championship, but to come together as a team unlike any team we've seen within recent history. It's not to knock the Milwaukee Bucks. It's not to knock the Golden State Warriors. This is a phenomenon. This is something that is unprecedented on so many levels. And I'm I'm gonna explain why in just a second. But I wanna first show my love and and congratulations. I'm gonna show some appreciation for the Miami Heat and what they've done this past postseason. I told you, these guys were not supposed to make it to the finals. This was the 10th seed going into the play-in tournament. The play-in tournament. And they not only surprised the people in the play-in tournament, they they surprised the entire world by beating the Bucks, the Knicks, and the Celtics. Getting to the NBA Finals. They weren't supposed to do that. They overachieved. I said that before in my last episode. The, The Miami Heat overachieved for what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to go into the finals. That was the goal. But they weren't supposed to win like this. Leave us shell-shocked to see how well they just swept their way through the Bucks. And I don't mean that literally. It was a gentleman's sweep. I understand. I mean, they won in five. But I'm saying the way that they just dismantled the Bucks, the way they somehow strategically dismantled the New York Knicks, who was highly favored, and then to turn around and go to full distance with the Boston Celtics. Although I think most of that was premeditated on the Celtics, I'm not going to digress on that. Because it's not the Celtics' time. It is the Miami Heat's time to be able to sit back 
and be congratulated for the work well done, considering, considering they were not favored at all in the playoffs. And I told you, it was only one game against the Celtics that I saw. But, you know, it's just the fact that what we saw from the Heat, and I made mention of this before, what really was going to predict the Heat to be victorious in this finals really came down to two things. One, the emergence of Jimmy Butler. Jimmy, Jimmy Butler had to play his tail off. And I'm not saying he slacked off. But you think of all the superstars. You think of all the NBA final MVPs for the last few years. Giannis, Steph, and now Nikola Jokic. Can we say that Jimmy Butler still has a ways to go? To be somewhere remotely close to what we saw those guys in the finals? The Bucks win in six games. The Warriors win in six games. Jimmy Butler gets smacked up in five games. Giannis scores 50 points game six to win the title. Steph Curry wins three straight games, averaging 48% from the field to win that series. Jimmy Butler nah, gave it 21 points. Gave it 24 one night, 14 another night. I mean, for what I was expecting for Jimmy Butler was a little bit more. And, and I got to believe that there's fans out there in Miami and South Beach, shout out to you guys, that probably want to see more out of Jimmy Butler than what he showed. We know what he's capable of doing. At least I think, I think, the commission thinks that we have an idea of what Jimmy Butler is supposed to be. But for some reason, he held back. Or, or, or the impression was that he held back. There's many that said, well, he was hurt. Ah, come on. Stop. You mean to tell me everybody that played game five was 100% healthy other than Jimmy Butler? I'm sure Bam Adebayo was hurt. That guy averaged 20 points in this series. Had a phenomenal series. Shout out to Bam Adebayo. I like that dude. I like the fact that he was scrapping with Jokic. And even though Jokic might have had a few inches on him, he held his ground. He still made shots. Gave you 20, practically 20 a night. That's what I would expect from Bam. I was expecting more from Jimmy. Jimmy Buckets. We saw what he did against Boston. But there goes my point. He overachieved. He did great during the postseason. Did great against the Celtics. And then he went to the Denver and was like, oh, don't know what to do. Now, of course, a lot of that stems from the fact that he was playing against bigger, stronger guys. They were outmatched. These guys were huge. Aaron Griffin is like 6'10". It's a tree trunk. Jokic, a little taller, a little slender, but he has his own game. He has his own style that worked. It worked. He shot 58% from the floor this series. 58%. You can't stop that. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not here to be... Uh, Debbie Downer or, 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 or Bad News Bandit. I'm just telling you as it is, there wasn't anything that Miami Heat can do but just pray. Pray that for some reason Jamal Murray would probably twist his ankle. God forbid if he really hurt himself. Jamal Murray averaged 10 assists 
a game. Now think about that for just a second, ladies and gentlemen. Ten assists a game. They played five games. How many points is that? Tick-tock, tick-tock, a hundred points. Ten assists a game. That's at least 20 points in a game. And he played five games. That's guaranteed 100 points. No other player in the NBA averaged 10 assists a game in the NBA Finals. If I didn't tell you before, I'm telling you right now. There wasn't much that Miami can do. There wasn't anybody more talented than Jimmy and Bam that could step up and really try to neutralize the onslaught of what the Nuggets were giving out. We're talking about Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, which leads me to my second point. The two, the two players together did something that we've never seen in NBA history. The two combined for 52 points per game. They combined for 20 rebounds per game and combined for 17 assists per game. Those two, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, were just dominating against the Heat, averaging a triple-double against the Heat. Who can stop that? Now, I'm saying this in the future tense. I'm talking about... From this point moving forward, now that the series is over, now that the NBA season is over, we got to look into the future. We got to somehow take a few seconds to think about the future where this Denver Nuggets team is going into. Because if the commission is going to be the first one to say it, if I haven't already said it, or somebody else has already said it, this is the start of what a dynasty is going to look like. Barring injury, of course. And barring that the salary cap does not affect this team so much that they don't get back a lot of their square players. It's still the fact that what we're witnessing and what we've witnessed over the last five games is the start of what could be. Could be a dynasty. This is how Golden State started, right? Someone had to be hot. Someone had to be confident. Someone had to be on point. Someone had to be consistent. Nikola Jokic put up consistent numbers. Jamal Murray put up assist, uh, consistent numbers. Nikola Jokic won NBA Finals MVP. Of course, he's a two-time MVP with the NBA. Won Finals MVP, averaging 30 points per game, 14 rebounds per game, and seven assists per game. And what makes it even more fascinating, more incredible, is that he's the only player in NBA history to be first in the postseason in points, rebounds, and assists. That is frightening. He's a center. Now, you think about all the other things that have been going on in the NBA, how much we had to rely on the three-point shot, how much the three-point shot has been revolutionized because in large part of Steph Curry. God bless him. Steph Curry did the unthinkable and, and still continues to do the unthinkable by shooting the lights out from three-point. This guy, this guy averages about 48% from three-point land. On average, I might be off by a few points, whatever. There's very little you can do with a Steph Curry when he's red hot. Which leads me to my third point. If we're talking about the Golden State Warriors and the Devon Nuggets playing for the finals, and if Golden State 
was in the right frame of mind. Are we still talking about the Denver Nuggets being the most dominant team in the NBA? We see what Jokic can do. This guy averages a triple-double. He had 10 triple-doubles in the postseason. 10 triple-doubles. Who else does that? It doesn't make a difference if he's a center. I care less if he's a guard. I don't think LeBron James ever did that. He is the only player as a center to average a triple-double in the postseason. See, the thing is this, ladies and gentlemen. When you know you have greatness, and you're looking at it right in the face, whether you're there courtside or you just happen to watch it on television, wherever you may be, there's no denying just how good a great, extraordinary player can be. We talk about the Kevin Durants, the Michael Jordans, LeBron James. We talk about a number of guys that we know on a consistent level can go out there and shoot the lights out. Now we're talking about a center, Nikola Jokic, that many have already labeled him as probably the best center to ever play the sport of basketball. And he's only been the lead for less than 10 years. And he's already been labeled one of the best, if not the best center in NBA history. And I get it. No other center in the NBA Finals average as much as Nikola Jokic. Nobody in the NBA Finals as a center was first in both scores, rebounds, and assists. No other center in the NBA Finals gave you 58% from the, from the field, from the floor. Jokic did all that. And you know what's amazing about Jokic? I don't know if anybody else was watching this, but Kamish was peeping this. He ain't think about no daggone celebration. All you saw was relief and elation when the game was over. Once he knew that the goal was achieved, that they managed to success, all he wanted to do was grab his child. All he wanted to do was see his family. Sometimes we put basketball on a pedestal to say, oh, well, you know, this is the best that we could do. This is the best that ever played. We're trying to get ratings, revenue, and all that. And there's some players that can care less because it's more so about their family, families that may not exist in this country, families that may exist somewhere else. Shout out to the entire country of Serbia for being supportive of Jokic because this is what Jokic really played for. He didn't play for no ring. He didn't play for no extra money. He could care less. The elation came from knowing he could see his child, his family, his siblings there to support him when he did well. Does he, Jokic said himself, it's not about the stats. Stats don't matter. Maybe that's the problem with us as Americans or fans of basketball. We appreciate stats. We base everything based off stats. Who's the best? Who's not the best? Who's the best of all time? Who comes up short? Tears. When talking about the greatest to ever play the sport. Tears. And Jokic didn't even hold. He didn't even... <laughs> He didn't even take away his NBA Finals MVP trophy. The coach took it. <laughs> That's incredible. It's amazing. That's what we would do. That's what the commission would have done knowing that he just won the NBA Finals and somebody had enough sense to name me the MVP. I would have grabbed that trophy in two seconds. Maybe ran off the, <laughs> ran off the podium. Look for my family, whatever the case may be. 
gave Lisa Salters a big hug? I don't know. That's probably what I would have done. Jokic didn't do none of that. He said the heck with the trophy. Now, I'm not saying that's what he said. The point the commission's making is sometimes we put too much strain on numbers. Sometimes we put too much strain on prices. Sometimes we put too much strain on revenue. We put our, we put a lot of what we believe in in this whole thing called capitalism because we are ingrained. This is ingrained in our brains. This is the only thing that matters to us. Numbers and money. And Jokic said, you can keep all that. We just won the NBA Finals. It really didn't make a difference what he averaged. Didn't make a difference if he was first in anything. All he cared about was his family. Jamal Murray, on the other hand, he was, you could tell he was emotional. You could tell he was he was full of, of happiness, proud. It was, it, of course, it was elation as well. But it was just the fact that for Jamal Murray and, and the road that he went through to get to this point, you can't help but be happy for this man. Tore his knee three years ago in the bubble. Didn't even know if he'd even get back to this point. And he did what no other point guard or even player has ever done in the NBA Finals. See, sometimes it goes beyond the X's and O's. Sometimes it goes beyond what you get back once you've won. And I get it, you know. But even with Giannis Antetokounmpo, when he won the Finals, he could have gone to another team. He could have said, this team isn't going anywhere. But there's a level of devotion, there's a level of appreciation and commitment that stands with one organization that looked at you and said, we're going to take a chance with you. Nicole Jokic was selected in the second round of, I believe, the 2014 draft, if I'm correct. Second round. And he's one of the best centers to ever play in the NBA. Sometimes, you know, we, we have to put all that to the side and realize that maybe if we just mold this player into something better, if we just could put our hands and arms around this guy and just provide that level of encouragement to be a better player, then you'll see what Nikola Jokic can do. You can see what Jamal Murray can do. Jamal Murray is nothing to sneeze at either. There was no answer for that man. Miami could not find anybody to DM up. And I don't know Tyler Hero was injured. I don't think it would have made a difference. He was a man on fire. Averaged 21 points in the NBA Finals. Averaged six rebounds in the NBA Finals. Averaged 10 assists in the NBA Finals. What more can I say? What more can the commission say about the Denver Nuggets that I didn't really tell you years ago? They're dangerous. Nikola Jokic will be back. Jamal Murray will be back. And I got to believe Aaron Gordon, shout out to him, he'll be back. Michael Porter Jr. put on a show game five. He'll be back. Contarius Caldwell Pope played excellent basketball. He'll be back. Bruce Brown will be back. Christian Brown will be back. These guys are coming back. This is a dynasty in the making. Now, I know there's a lot of naysayers that say, oh, come on, commission. They only won one, they only won one NBA final. It starts with one. It starts with one. You think Nikola Jokic is going to drop after what he's done? This guy is relatively young. And he has the professional background from his, his, his country to be able to come over here and just play as well, if not better, in this arena. There's nothing that we can say or do outside of what I'm going to make the point of in a few seconds that we can see differ or deter 
from the success and the excellence that comes with the Denver Nuggets. They played lights out basketball the, the entire postseason and more so in the finals. This was coming. And the commission told you. So says the commission. You've been listening to the Kneel Down podcast. A little excited, a little excited. I'm not saying that I'm no Jadamas here. <laughs> I'm not saying I know everything about basketball, please. But you can't help but see a good thing, a great thing from the distance. What's exceptional about this team is the coach. Michael Malone may not get the credit he deserves, but I can tell you one thing. The level of passion and exuberance that came from him in these interviews really set the tale as to what he expected from this team and what he knew this team was going to do. I don't know if anybody has picked up on that. I don't think anybody has going to really talk much about that. But the level of, 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 of just energy that came from him, the commitment, the confidence to say, my team will do this, really set the mark. They played for him, and he played for the organization, and they deserve to be NBA champions. The third point I want to make before I go on to something else, the third point I want to make is the question of what are we expecting in the future when we're talking about the three-point shot? Why? Because from what I saw game five, and based off the numbers, the Denver Nuggets, in spite of their win, shot 17% for three-point land. Miami Heat, between Game 3 to Game 4 to Game 5, shot 31%, 32% Game 4, and then an abysmal 25% Game 5. See, the thing is this. We can't all shoot the three-point shot. Let's just, let's just put this out there in the open right now. Let's put our cards on the table. Not everybody's a three-point shooter. Not every team can uh, uh, perfect the three-point shot. At some point, coaches have to understand if we take a number of shots and we keep missing, let's lay off the three-point shot. Whether they play zone or not, let's operate a different look. Let's alter our offense to give us a, a chance to even win. Mitigate those three-point shots in the second half. And let's go out there and play harder back. That's what Denver did. They were 17% for three-point land, and they still won. There's not many teams that you can say could shoot that badly from three-point land and still win. I know the Golden State Warriors rely heavy on that, which leads me to my point. No team can emulate the three-point shot like the Golden State Warriors. I'm making this point to say this. If we're going to see any type of duel in, in, in the near future, any type of rivalry, it's going to be the Golden State Warriors battling against the Denver Nuggets for that place up top. The point the commission is trying to make is this. If Denver continues to play this game the way that they played this NBA Finals, that's fine and good until you play a team like the Golden State Warriors that consistently hits the three-point shot. Now, it's clear that Steph Curry didn't do enough this past postseason to solidify a spot in the Finals. But we saw what he did the year before against the Boston Celtics when the Boston Celtics had a 2-1 lead over the Golden State Warriors everybody said oh the Warriors can't do it there was many that said that the Warriors couldn't do it because Boston was playing that well but then Steph Curry woke up 
but all the greats do. All the great players do just that. And this is not a backstab at Jimmy Butler. This is just the fact that for what we expect from Steph Curry, he provided. He provided that and was successful and won that series in six. Only a few can do what Steph Curry has done. And I want to go out and say this on a limb. The only Steph Curry can be the aficionado when it comes to the three-point shot. There's nobody else that can challenge what he can do from three-point land, which is why the Warriors are still and will always be in the discussion for the championship. Shout out to you guys out there in California, San Francisco. Listen, I'm no fool. I know what the Warriors could do, can do, and perhaps will do during the offseason. Of course, they lose their GM, but that's not to say they won't pick up the pieces and do better. Look for next season to really be that dogfight in the Western Conference. Because I got to believe for the next several years to come, that's all we're going to be infused with. Western Conference. Does it really make a difference if the Milwaukee Bucks, Boston Celtics, Philadelphia 76ers, Miami Heat, whomever go to the finals? It really doesn't make a difference. Can they emulate what the Golden State Warriors are doing? No. No. I don't care who's on the roster. The answer is no. Golden State is still a threat. I can see a dynasty start with Denver, but the Warriors are going to be there waiting for these guys. And in the seven-game series, I would just love to see how that all plays out for a chance at the NBA Finals. So says the commission. You've been listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I've been the commission. Thank you again for listening to my show. It means that much to me. I'll say this much. I can't stand referees. I can't stand the referees in the NBA. Can't. Can't. They have instant replay. And for what? These guys reviewed a, a foul call that wasn't even a foul call. It was a phantom foul call. And they let Jimmy Butler get to the to the line and shoot three shots. This game was supposed to be a blowout. Should have been a blowout. But the refs do enough to try to switch the momentum in the favor of the underrated, of the favor of the underdog. Why? This is not for ratings. If the team is bad, why are you going to try to help the team that's bad to give them a chance to win? What does that do for the losing team? It's inevitable. Whether they go to game six or game seven, do we really think the Miami people's going to win this series? I know the people in Miami probably thought that. And that's fine. They're supposed to. But the referees cannot dictate the game of NBA basketball. This is professional basketball we're talking about. And these refs are blowing it. I'm looking at Adam Silver a little bit harder now. Side-eyed. I don't get it, bro. I don't understand how you're going to let this go for another season. This cannot continue next season. We cannot look at these refs and say, what the heck are they doing? I can't speak for everybody that listens to this podcast, but daggone. How do you blow... A foul call that wasn't even a foul. How do we blow so many foul calls where you got Jokic and Aaron Gordon in foul trouble in the first half? See, there's just some things that just don't make sense to me. It just does not make any sense to the commission how you can let that slide like that's all part of the game. It's not. 
you're ruining the sport of basketball. And, and, and the views will show. The rates will show. The ratings will show at some point just how bad it is because we can't maintain that level of perfection. Even though it's imperfect. It's an imperfect game. I get it. But the refs can still understand how to make foul calls. At least I would thought. I would have thought that. They did horrible, abysmal, terrible, pathetic. Something needs to be done. Something should be done. Adam Silver, get off your butt and do something about this. I don't know as a fan if I'm going to be able to take this moving forward. This just ain't right. So says the commission. I want to shout out every father listening to the sound of my voice. It's Father's Day weekend this weekend. Shout out to all the fathers, man. Listen, if you've been a father for a few years, a few months, several years, let me tell you, I, I, my hat goes off to you guys. Complete gratitude. I can appreciate the men that spend their time with their children and go over backwards and make sure that everything is in par, that their family's correct, the children are correct. You deserve at least a minute or two of the commission's time just to show the appreciation I have for you guys, I myself as a father, so maybe I'm a little bit biased, but it's still the fact. You can't take away from what fathers do in their time of need for their kids and for their family. Shout out to you fathers out there. Happy Father's Day this weekend. Happy Juneteenth to all those that celebrate. That's coming up on the 19th of June. You have been listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I've been the commission. I'm going to say peace and love all those out there. Stay safe, get vaccinated, 